Amen, amen, praise the Lord. Thank God for uh, Brother Keith and Sue, and uh, amen, praise God for them. Uh, I was uh, had an opportunity to, to be there yesterday uh, for Grounded, which was the last one for now. It's suspended for a month, and you're going to start back in September. But I tell you, once he got done at 7 o'clock, we just kind of lingered around for about 15, 20 minutes, and there's a couple of word of prophecies, and, uh, and uh, it was just, it was great. It was awesome. It was a good time, so really thank God for, for allowing him to use you, both of you, on Saturdays for Grounded. It's been, it's been awesome. Well, amen, as you can notice, I'm not Pastor Shannon. Those are, those, that's, that's my brother, but I'm not, I'm not him. They're actually on, on vacation and which I'm, I'm really glad of that. Now, I know <laughs> I've only been here for about a month or so. I didn't run them away. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. T's here. <laughs> I didn't know he's going to be this bad. Let me take a vacation. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that bad. They planned this long uh, months and months ago, and I'm glad they stuck to it because, you know what, vacations are needed. It helps with longevity and peace and rest. And, of course, you know, they picked up um, Danielle and Ethan from the airport on Thursday. And so they left on Saturday. And uh, before they left, you know, on, on, on Thursday, I walked them out to the parking lot. I told them, I go, listen, I'm going to try not to burn down the church while you're gone. But uh, I, I will promise you this, that if I do happen to burn it down, I'll make sure I burn it down even. That way, when you come back, one part's not up here, the other part's not. It'll, it'll be level. We can just start all over. <laughs> No, but they'll be back. They're, they're not here, obviously. They'll be back next week, a part of the service, but I will be ministering again next week, finishing part two of part one of what we're starting today. But so as you always do, keep them in your prayers and, um, and uh, just thank God that they are, have an opportunity to relax. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited about the message that the Lord has placed on my heart. And as I've told you before, whether I teach, I'll teach, and whether I preach, I'll preach. But I'm just going to yield to the Holy Spirit, amen, amen. And which we all should, should, should do. Um, but what I wanted to talk to you about this morning is in reference to you running your race. You running your race. And we all, say we all, we all have a race to run. Uh, even before we're born again, that race has already been set out for us. But it's so important that we, uh, after being born again, run the race that been set aside for us to run as God's children. And we're going to get into this farther, but Jesus had a race to run. Peter had a race to run. Paul had a race to run. And you have a race to run. And I'll bring out later on how Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for us today. Amen. In reference to the race that's been set before us. So... We're going to talk about run your race. Amen. You ready? Yes. Praise the Lord. So, you know, I, I really believe that being, being in law enforcement, too, and knowing something about fingerprints, uh, God, it's not by mistake that he gave each and every one of us our own different set of fingerprints. Because no matter if you're identical twins, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, brother, sister, or whatever the case may be, your fingerprints are different. You're your own unique person, and that's the way God created you to be, is you. You can't be anybody else. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not Pastor Shannon. Pastor Shannon is not me, and I'm not going to be, try to be Pastor Shannon, and I know he's not going to try to be me. God created us differently. And uh, I like, you know, he said to me when I first came on board, he said, T, I don't want you to be uh, Pastor Dave. N- not saying that what Pastor Dave was wrong or anything, because he did an awesome work those six years he was here. But I understood what he was saying is that just, you know, you're doing what he was doing, but you be T while you do it. Amen. Amen. And you be you while you do what you're doing. Or what, you, know, you may not be called to the five-fold ministry, but you're called to run a race. Amen. And even in a, and a, uh, a husband and, 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 and wife relationship in the marriage union, although they come together as one flesh, the husband has his race to run and the wife has her race to run and the husband cannot run uh, the, the wife's race and the wife cannot run the husband's race. And whether it's even if the husband leaves, whether it's a divorce or the wife leaves out of divorce or the husband or the wife passes away, that still doesn't disqualify you or take you away from the race that you have to run on this earth. And I do want to emphasize that that race is on this earth. Once you finish here, that race is over when you go to heaven. But thank God for his grace and his mercy because he is so patient with us. And as we're here running, although we may stumble over an obstacle, whatever the case may be during that race, he allows us to continue running. And not only he allows us to continue running, he gives us the strength to run. He gives us the stamina to run this spiritual race. So whether you're sitting or standing or walking, you're running a race. And we'll get into that further. If you can turn to Matthew chapter 19, let's start with Matthew chapter 19 and uh, verse number 3. Matthew 19, verse number 3. It says, the Pharisees also came to Jesus. And just remember, as I said before, <laughs> sometimes I may divert or revert or however you want to call it to the NTTT translation. You remember that translation? Yeah, the New Testament T translation, or I may even dab into the OTTT translation, the Old Testament T translation. You'll know, you'll know when I do. Because we all read the Bible the way we hear it. Amen, the way we understand it. So anyway, the Pharisees also came to Jesus, testing Jesus, and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And Jesus answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two should become one spirit. One flesh. One flesh, not one spirit, but one flesh. Verse 6, so then they are no longer two, this is Jesus talking, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man or woman separate. So remember, we're talking about running your race. And I'm going to bring out some points at the beginning just to let you know that no one, it may, they may be able to hinder you, but no one can stop you from running your race, including the devil himself. If you're born again, you've already been equipped with the victory, with the greater one on the inside of you to run. Yeah. 
So someone, some man or some woman may be able to hinder you, but they can't stop you if you don't allow it. If you don't allow it. Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So I, I, I want to bring out some points. So, because, you know, sometimes, I, I'll speak for myself, you look for an excuse not to, not to run. It's too difficult. It's too hard. I've been through this. I've been through that. And I just can't run anymore. But we're, we're not exempt. If, if they, the disciples did it, and they did, so can we. People have a tendency to put the disciples up here, and we'll see later on that they were just common folks just like us. That was tempted just like us. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and let's look at verse, start with verse number 15. Do you not know that your bodies, your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Paul's talking to the Corinthians, verse 16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body? Not one spirit, one body with her. For the two, he reverts back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh, not one spirit. But he who is joined to the Lord, praise the Lord. He or she who is joined to the Lord is one what? So no matter what happens to you in your life, no matter if he walked out or she walked out and, or he passed away or she passed away, not to nullify it, not to minimize it, you still have a race to run. And you can still run that race. And it didn't catch Jesus by surprise. Your setback, your circumstance, your... Oftentimes when my wife and I pray, especially concerning our kids, we pray that they would have a loving, continued loving relationship with their Heavenly Father, which is most important. And of course, you know, Pastor talks about that with, with uh, us, reaching people with the God's unconditional love. That's most important, that loving relationship. And then next of all, that they will fulfill everything that God's placed them here on this earth to do. You, it's not by, by incident or just by chance that you were born when you were born and that you're still alive today. Don't take that for granted. And, I, and I, if I were to take a mic and walk out there and talk to someone, you can tell, tell us many times when you, you knew that your life was in danger. And if it wasn't for God, Amen. you wouldn't be sitting here right now today. Amen. You would not be sitting here right now today. So thank God he's faithful and he has a race for you to run no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are. You know, I told the youth when I first talked to them, I, the, the, one of the first messages I told them that you're not too young to have a relationship with God. To have a loving, a, a loving, real relationship that he's real to you. You're not too young for that. Let's, let's look at uh, John chapter 15. Actually, I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. So that I believe they, they have this up on the screen when they get a chance. I think it's so important, you know, I'm, well, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say it. <laughs> you know, um, they do such a great job with this. I think they do an awesome job. But oftentimes, if there is a wrong scripture up there, if it's not uh, up there, 
you know, it's not their fault. Oftentimes it's ours, you know. So they, they do a great job, but I believe that we shouldn't depend on this. You know, we have a Bible, we have cell phones, we have pads, whatever. This, I'm just tea rambling a little bit. But um, uh, I just thank God for this, but it's so important that we have the Word of God for ourselves. Amen. Um, anyway, I just giving you, I'm Pastor T now, y'all, so I can give some Pastor T advice. Okay? All right. So loosen up. Take the brakes off. Uh, John chapter 15 in the Message Bible, and it's up there. Listen to this. This is awesome. Starting with verse number 9. I've loved you. This is Jesus talking to his heavenly Father and talking about the disciples. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. Praise the Lord. Make yourself just, you know how it is. Your home should be a place where you just go to and you just rest and you chill out. You know, let your guards down or whatever the case. Just, just rest right there. Make yourself at home in my love. If you keep my commands, in other words, making yourself at home in my love, you remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done, Jesus said. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. In his love. There's a difference between his love and worldly love. Worldly love is selfish. If you start doing something I don't like, that love your brother, love your sister goes out the door. But the real love of Christ that's on the inside of us is unconditional. And that's the love he has to you. And that's the love that we have in us for others. So this is important that we understand the love of God as we run our race. Pastor uh, Shannon had, I think it was back 2017, I was taking notes, and he said something that really stuck with me, and I want to read it. It, it's, it. It's simple, but it's profound. He said that when your heart is persuaded that God loves you, you will not be afraid. In other words, when you have persuaded your heart through this word, spend time with him and persuaded your heart that, you know, <laughs> he loves me. Regardless of what I do or don't do, say or don't say, my father loves me. And when you do mess up, whether it's intentional or unintentional, you run towards him. You run towards rest. You run towards peace. You run towards security. You run that race and you'll get back up and continue going on in him towards the father. Not away from him, but towards him. You know, I tell the story. I, I, I like to tell it because it, I, I love my father. I love my mother. But when I was a little boy, I just, my father take one step, I took two. You know? And uh, he nicknamed me Tater. I won't tell you why. But anyway, he nicknamed me Tater. And on Sundays, we, you know, I'm the youngest of six kids. And we used to have, you know, oftentimes Sunday breakfast. And I would sit next to my father. Well, I get my size from my mom. My mom's a little lady, but my dad was like close to six feet and 240. He was a big, big guy. And as he got older, he got a belly. So my dad had a big belly. So I used to sit next to him on Sunday morning breakfast, and I put my belly out. My dad said, boy, what you doing? I said, I'm going to have a big belly like my daddy. 
I love my, my, my father. You know, he had that type of impact on me. So I remember when I was playing Pop Warner football for the Conway Dolphins, Pee Wee football. And uh, I was a little guy. I'm still a little guy. <laughs> I heard that, so that's why I said it. Somebody said, you're still a little guy. Well, anyway, I was a little guy. You know, little guys on the team. I was a running back, you know. And, and so my, my, my thigh pads will often be down to my knees, and my knee pads be down to my shins. And so they would use some tape sometimes to take my thigh pads to my thigh pads, my knee pads to my knees. And so here we are at uh, Oak Ridge High School on a Saturday morning, and my parents, my mom is up in the stands, my brothers and sisters, and, and, uh, and so we're in the huddle, and they call a 27 sweep. And those of you who play football, you know the odd holes are on the left and the even holes on the right. 27 sweep, the quarterback just grabbed the ball and pitch it. And so here I am with all my shortcomings. He pitches the ball, my shoulder pads rattle, my helmet's loose or whatever. I get the ball and I take off around the end and my little legs are just going. I cut in and I dip out and I hit the sideline and I look and there's nothing but green in front of me. Nothing but the goal line. And it just seemed like it was so far away. And my little legs going, everybody's chasing me, and I'm like, <laughs> And so as I'm running, it's at Oak Ridge High School, you have the, there's a goal line, and then there's a fence behind the goal line. And so as I'm running, I see this big old black man walking this way, and I'm running this way. And he hear him cheering in the stands, and he turns and realizes that it's his son, it's Tater. My dad was showing up late to the game, so he turned and he grabbed that fence and started shaking that fence. And I realized that that was my father. And so as I'm running, I said to myself, if I reach my father, I'll reach my goal. I'll score. So I forgot about how big my pants were, how big my shoulder pads were. All these guys are chasing me. My legs are short. It seems so far away. I just zeroed in on my father. I zeroed in on my dad, and I just ran, and I ran, and I ran, and I scored. And I threw that ball down, and I got to the fence, and I grabbed the fence. I put my face mask to the fence, and I shook it with my dad. And he said, good job, Tater, good job, Tater. And I was so excited. But I want to let you know that as you're running, no matter how many difficulties you have, no matter how many shortcomings you have, you have a father that's shaking the fence for you. And he's going to shake it no matter how much you mess up, intentionally or unintentionally. He's going to continue to shake it until you breathe your last breath. So I'm telling you, if you sat down, get up. If you're not running, run. Because your father's shaking the fence for you. And there's no devil that can stop you if you don't allow him to. To hell with Satan. Your dad is shaking the fence for you. And if he is in you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can't lose with the father that you use. I'm telling you. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the story, my parents are up there. My mom is up there. My sisters and brothers. You got those loved ones that's going on before you that's in the grandstand. You remember what Hebrews talk about? Ooh. And they're telling you, run, Tater, run. Amen. Hi, run, Steve. Run, baby, run. Grandma is up there. Granddad is up there. Mama is up there. Daddy, sister, brother, cousin. They're up there cheering for you and telling you to run. You can do it. Amen. 
Hallelujah. God is faithful. You have a race to run, and not only can you run it, you can finish it regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the shortcomings. Hallelujah. Jim Richards stated something I just read recently in his book. He said that the only way that we can arrive at our destination, and I, I added in here, finish our race on this earth. The only way that we can arrive at our destination that God has for us is to participate in his uncompromising love. Read it one more time. It says the only way that we can arrive at our destination that God has for, a, for our life is to participate in his uncompromising love. And the, one of the two of the definitions of the word participate is to take part. And the other one is have or possess. Well, the second one, you already, it's a done deal. You already have his love. You already possess his love. But the first part of that definition, take part, that's a choice of yours. And you can take part of his love. It's already in you. Allow yourself to, to as Jesus said, make yourself at home in his love. I see you fanning in the back. The air, is it a little warm in the back? Okay, okay. We get that turned down. I think my son had mentioned that. But uh, let's turn to uh, John chapter 17. Near the end of his life, or the end of his race, we're going to talk about our brother here. Jesus had a race to run, as I stated to you earlier. John chapter 17. In verse number four, let's look at this, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Jesus said, he's talking to the Father, I have glorified you on the earth. I, not the disciples, have finished the work. I've finished my race. What did he say on the cross? It is what? Hmm. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Not you given the disciples to do, the work that you've given me, you've given me to do. Look at verse number 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Remember I told you that Jesus prayed for you? This is it right here. How did you come to Christ? Through hearing the gospel, through hearing the what? The word. And Jesus prayed for us. He said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all, including us, may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in the love of God, that we are one in his love. That brings about a confidence when we understand the love of God, a boldness. If you know anything about track and field, if you, you know, are, are swimming where there's lanes involved, you know, it's depending on how you approach the race. If you go with less confidence, not as much confidence, you're not going to run a strong race or you're not going to swim a strong race. Or you can be as fast as you seeing boat. But if you don't stay in your lane, and run your race, you're going to get disqualified. 
So that lane has already been set out for you. He's already set the lane out for you to run. And not only did to run and be successful at it. Like I say, not everyone's called to the fivefold. The majority of the body of Christ is not in the fivefold ministry. God's called you to a business. He's called you to, 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 to do whatever you felt, the will and desire to do of, of his good pleasure. He's called you to be successful of that, at that. Not just to be a blessing to you, but to the kingdom. He wants you to be successful. Verse number 21, that all, I'm sorry, uh, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. That the world may believe that you sent me. So we have our own individual race to run. That's why we shouldn't compare ourselves to other people. We shouldn't. We should not compare ourselves to other people. Years ago, I, I ministered a message. It was called the three C's. Do not complain, compare, or compete because God is faithful. Do not complain or compare or compete. Why? Because God is faithful. He has a purpose, a plan that's specifically set out for you. And if we're not mindful, we will compare ourselves to other people, compete with other people, and complain when our life or situation is not like someone else's. If we're not mindful of it. And I want to bring out something that's it's funny, but it's real. Remember I told you that the disciples were just like us. They weren't some supernatural human beings. No, they were tempted, tested, you know, uh, uh, tempted to sin, yielded to sin. We don't put them on a pedestal. They were regular people just like us. And here in John, if you turn to John chapter 20, and like I say, this is kind of funny, but you can see here that John is competing or comparing themselves with Peter, and Peter is competing against John. Because in none of the other Gospels, in, in Matthew, in Mark, and Luke, it's not brought out. They don't talk about this, but John does. And who wrote the book of John? Wow, you guys, A plus, A plus. Yeah, smart bunch, a smart bunch. John wrote this book, what we're getting ready to read about here in this chapter, and he calls himself here the other disciple. So let's listen. Let's read together. John chapter 20. And verse number one, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. This is after Jesus was crucified and he was buried. While it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. So he said, uh, uh, the other disciple, Jesus loved me. And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Verse 3, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. Verse number 4, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter, and came to the tomb first. 
John put that in there. He's like, listen, we both were running, but I smoked Peter. And I came to the tomb first because I'm faster. That could have been left out. But what was he doing? He was comparing himself himself, and competing with Peter. And Peter being Peter in verse 5, John, had, John got there and he just stooped in, you know, looking, trying to figure out what in the world's going on. And Peter being Peter, he came up and he just ran right on in the tomb. In the end of verse 6, he said, and saw that the linen clothes were lying there. So you see how John was comparing himself to Peter. Peter was competing with John, and John puts in here that I outran him. So it doesn't matter if you call to do the same business that someone else is doing. Yeah, we can learn from other people. We can glean from them. Or the same job, the career, whether it's ministry or not. Allow God to lead you in the way that he wants to lead you. Even if it's identical to something else that someone else is doing, he wants to lead you how he wants to lead you because he has a race set out for you to do, for you to run. You know, well, my family's not like the Smith's family or my dad is not like that person's dad or mom or my kids are not like this person's kids and it's not like the Joneses. And No. Just in, it, it, can persuade your heart and concerning the love of God and allow his love to lead and guide you for your specific race, specific call. Amen? Amen. Even if it seems like it's identical to someone else, it's not. You have your own race. So our Heavenly Father has a race only for you to run. Your setbacks, your shortcomings, your failures, excuses does not disqualify your, you from your predetermined race from your predetermined race. And what does Jeremiah, they're not going to have it up here, but I think it's Jeremiah 1, Jeremiah 1 verse 5. It's not going to be up there. This is something that I'm just adding, but I just thought about it. This is awesome. This is the Lord talking to Jeremiah. Yeah, verse 5. It says, before I formed you, praise the Lord, in the womb, I knew you. So before you arrived on scene, I knew you. You didn't know me, but I knew you. So he's telling Jeremiah, you were born for this day. Just like I mentioned to you, the reason you're alive now is because he wanted you here right now. And you have a race to run. You have people to reach. And only you can reach them. So before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. In other words, I set you aside. I said, you know what? I got keys right here for today. I got tea right here for today. I'm sitting them aside. So I want them to run this race to be prosperous in their business, in their family, and everything for the kingdom. For people. Amen? I ordain you a prophet to the nations. So he, he set him aside, just like he set you aside. So nothing happens in our life that catches God by surprise, even when we intentionally mess up, as I mentioned earlier. He knew in advance that you're going to mess up, that you're going to miss it, that you're going to say, you know what? This, this God stuff doesn't work. This Christianity stuff doesn't work. This church stuff, it don't work. I quit. I'm going back to how I used to do it because this doesn't work. 
He knew about that. If you're watching and you've already quit, he knew you were going to quit. Just get back in the race. Just get back in the race. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He sees you as he sees Jesus. That's how he sees us. But when we see ourselves as ourselves in our own works, work mentality, works righteousness, that's when we say, you know, when it don't work, I quit, man. Forget it. I'm not doing it. But that's not true. You can always get back in the race as long as you're breathing. If you would turn to Luke, let's look at that. Let's Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. So there, as long as you're breathing, there's time to run your race. But we think that, you know, it's got to be something big, whatever the case may be, you know, dramatic or whatever. Like I say, fivefold ministry. And, you know, running your race is, can be just something as simple as being, giving someone a smile. Just, just smiling. I'm going to, I'm going to, I got a bunch of uh, spiritual mamas and spiritual fathers, you know, here at the church. And so I'm going to put my mama, Iona, on the, I'm not going to have you say nothing, but you blessed me because uh, when we went there, did the police thing, she said something, we had got done and we were standing in the parking lot talking. She was saying how you said that the Lord, I said, I'm going to have you say nothing, but I want to make sure I get it right. It spoke to you concerning uh, participating in it, right? And, and sh she was obedient. And it blessed me just, you know, and this is not for someone else who didn't participate to be condemned because condemn condemnation is not from God. So skip all that. But it blessed me as we were talking because that was maybe something small to other people, but that's big to God because her heavenly father dealt with her heart about it and she was obedient. She ran that race. So that blessed her dark chocolate son. <laughs> Y'all can laugh. <laughs> he laughed. Laugh is good. <laughs> like I said, I have a bunch of spiritual moms and fathers here. Amen. So that blessed, that blessed me to hear that. So Luke chapter 22 and verse uh, number, let's, let's start with verse number 31 says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Guess what? He's asked for you also. If you're born again, he's asked for you. He wants you. He don't want those ones. Look, and when I was out in the street, I was in the world partying and doing my thing, he didn't, hey, look, he already had me. He ain't got to ask for somebody you already got. But he don't have you anymore. Praise the Lord. And G and Peter is, is an eyeshot of Jesus, and Jesus is an eyeshot of Peter. So now they've kindled a fire, and Peter, you know, he goes up to the fire. He's, it's cold outside. Started at verse number 55. And they kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. So Peter's like, hey, how's it going? It's, ooh, it's cold out here. It's cold outside. Are you cold? Yeah, I'm cold. Yeah, yeah. Verse number 57, uh, verse 55, and a certain servant girl seeing Peter as he's warming himself up, sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. He looks familiar. Now, remember, Jesus told Peter that before the rooster crows, 
you would deny me three times before the rooster or before the cock crowed, the Matthew says. And Peter said, no, not me. <laughs> I go to prison with you, Jesus. Not only prison, I'll die with you. That's what Peter said. But Jesus like, okay. So in verse 57, he denied him saying, woman, I don't know him. That's the first time. After Right? And then what does it say here? After the rooster said, cock-a-doodle-doo. I know that's my best rooster I can give y'all. After the rooster said, cock-a-doodle-doo, what did Peter do? No, verse, verse, I'm sorry, verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept. He went out and wept. But when Jesus looked at Peter and Peter looked at Jesus, those eyes that Jesus was looking at was not eyes of condemnation. He was just saying, son, I knew you were going to do it. But Peter condemned himself. And it says Peter went out and wept. So my question to you is, whether you're here or you're watching, what is it that you can do that catches your Heavenly Father by surprise? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing, as I stated to you before, that can stop you from running the race, whether you did something intentionally or unintentionally, that God has for you. Your lifestyle may have changed. Your responsibilities may have changed. But the race is still the same. And it's all about your loving relationship with him and reaching people. Reaching people. So nothing happens or catches God by surprise. Even when we intentionally mess up. So Jesus had told Peter this and he denied him. Look at John chapter 21. John chapter 21. It's so important because I had to learn this honestly myself, and I have to remind myself of this. Because guess what? <laughs> You're going to miss it. You're going to mess up. But we have to remind ourselves, my father sees me as he sees Jesus, Amen. not by what I do or don't do. Right. It's faith righteousness, not works righteousness. Amen? And that's the way it works. But here in, in, in John chapter 21, look at verse, let's start with verse number one. And like I say, I'm, <laughs> I'm adding a couple of scriptures here so they may not have it, but either way. Verse number one. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. I'm sorry, I'm at the wrong one. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said, we are going also. And they went out and immediately got into a boat. And that night caught nothing. So 
Peter has denied Jesus. He's already done something that Jesus already knew he was going to do. He told him that he was going to do it. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, Jesus is resurrected. He had already appeared to his disciples. Okay? Peter was there. Peter's still feeling guilt and condemnation. All right? And now he appears to them again. And if you read it, he says, children, have you caught any fish? And they say, none. Of course, and he tells them to uh, come. And, of course, he said, cast their nets, I think, to the other side. And they caught a big load of fish. And John said, it is Jesus. And Peter girded himself and jumped in the water. And then you see uh, in earlier, later on in the chapter, what he says to Peter, it's like, Peter, do you love me? And he asks him that question. He starts comparing himself. himself. He starts competing. He starts doing what? Looking back. And he says to Jesus as he's looking back, what about this guy? He's talking about John. What about this guy? So my question to you is, can you follow Jesus while looking back? No. You can't. We can't. We can't follow him by looking back at our past failures, at somebody else, what somebody did or what they didn't do. All he's saying is, hey, follow me. Walk with me. As I told you at the beginning. But G uh, Peter looks back and says, hey, what about John? So what does Jesus say to him? If I will that, that John remain till I come, what is that to you? Follow you, follow me. You run your race that's been set before you. Praise the Lord. You have a race that's set before you. And all you have to do is follow him. And Peter learns this lesson as, as I be, uh, begin to close. Peter learns this lesson. If you look at Acts chapter 12, we see how one of the ways that he learned this lesson. Look at Acts chapter 12. In verse number one. And about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. And he killed James. He killed him. The brother of John with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews... He proceeded farther to seize Peter to kill him also. Who is it that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? And remember, Jesus told Peter that Satan has come. He desires you to sift you as wheat. He don't want you to run this race because he knows your powerful testimony. And he don't want you to run your race. He don't want you to witness he don't want you to be strong in your race because he knows that you're going to bring other people to Christ. He wants you to quit. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants you to cave in. But you are important. And what you're doing is important. You may not be standing up here, but you have a race to run. You have a call on your life. We are all ministers of Christ. Amen. So continuing on in verse number, I kind of lost my place. Three, 
And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he was arrested, when he had arrested Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover to kill him. Peter was therefore kept in prison but constant prayer, hallelujah, that's a message all by itself. But constant prayer was offered to God for Peter by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night, Peter was snoring. Just, man, the next day, you get ready, you get ready, you get ready to die. And Peter was... sleeping he took his sandals off but wait a minute isn't this the same peter that wrote first peter 5 6 and 7 wow and if you read it in the amplified bible what does first peter 5 6 and 7 say casting the whole of your care all your anxieties all your worries all your concerns once and for all on him because he cares for you affectionately and he cares for you watchfully he's watching you so peter said forget this i'm going to sleep whether i live or die i got the victory i'm telling you you got the victory whether you live or die but god wants you to live and go out the way he wants you to go out not the way satan wants to take you out he wants you to run and not just run, but run strong. Yes. Amen. So verse, uh, verse 6. So when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. And behold, say behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. And Peter still didn't wake up. He's still snoring. Angel of the Lord stood by him. Well, a light shone in the prison. And it wasn't like a light like this right here. It was a bright, it was a glorious light. Those of you that are married, married, you know that sometimes, depending on the light you have in your bedroom, if you sleep, sometimes, you know, there's a light right over our bed. My wife flipped that light on because it got those four bulbs in it. It shines right through my eyelids and I wake up. <laughs> Wakes me right up. Sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes I just keep on snoring. But Peter kept snoring, although a bright light shined, he kept on snoring. So much to the point that the angel had to hit him. Peter. Get up. Come on, man. Wake up. And Peter's like, huh, 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 what? And the angel says to him, says to Peter, rise up, saying, arise quickly, verse 7, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. Remember, Peter got comfortable, man. He's getting ready to die, and he's still comfortable, sleeping. And, and he, so he said, and he said to him, put on your garment and do what? Oh, there we go. Follow Jesus. So we say, well, that's not Jesus saying that. 
That's the angel. Well, who you think sent the angel? Jesus. So Peter went out and followed him. And let's prove it. Verse number 11. Verse number 11. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and all the expectation of the Jewish people. The Lord sent the angel for Peter to follow. The Lord sent the angel to deliver him. And just like I told you when I, when I spoke about fear, and when I crossed that intersection, remember I told you that story? Because I ran the light and that vehicle missed me. <laughs> that was the angel protecting me. I was tired coming from work. And he delivered me. And as I said to you earlier, if I take a mic and stick it out here, many of you can tell the story of how the Lord has delivered you from challenging circumstances, from danger. And he's faithful. So I want to encourage you to this morning as I conclude that you have a race to run. And there's no one or nothing that can stop you from running your race if you don't allow him or her or it. You can complete this race. And what you have to do here on this earth is important. Regardless of what other people may think. It's important.